0: hey guys welcome back to the hunt lift eat podcast i'm evan co-hosting today with luke sitting next to him in colorado in hle hq of the basement where the magic happens and then we got the rosemary connoisseur and expert himself carter
1: mckenzie how's it going carter what's up guys thanks for having me on
0: for sure
2: evan you're a natural i need to get you to do all of those because that was way smoother than my last two
1: yeah that was clean man you like almost sounded like you know what you're doing dude i it, you know it's just it's, we're just going to contribute
0: it to the uh Rocky Mountain cores, with a little liquid encouragement here.
1: Mountains are blue, boys.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. What are you drinking?
1: Um, you know what? I uh, I got nostalgic in the gas station today. We drank these rolling rocks in college a lot. Yep. And uh yeah, I got real nostalgic and picked up six pack of these and we're throwing it back.
2: Hell yeah. Yeah, we drank some of those
0: nice and cheap, right? About fifty cents a, a bottle. Yeah, I
1: mean I'm a school teacher at the end of the day, so we're balling on a budget over
0: here. Listen, man, I drink Bush Light, and I would drink Bush Light if I was a millionaire. So, like, <laughs> everyone gives me shit for it. But you know what? You like what you like.
1: Yeah, you got to stay humble.
2: Hey, Bush, if you want to sponsor this podcast, uh, just reach out to me at uh, Luke at com. But anyways, Carter, so uh, it's been a little while since we talked, obviously. We've had a lot of stuff happen in both of our lives. Uh, but the biggest one probably right now is fucking good old turkey season and we got evan here who had one of the best seasons for a new turkey hunter that i've heard of much to my frustration now i'm happy for you but uh i figure we can kind of talk about y'all's turkey seasons and uh i'll just talk about my lack thereof and uh, we'll start with you carter man how's the how's turkey season been treating you
1: turkey season has been an absolute grind this year um i'm like the antithesis of evan's season this year we uh Really got after it. Spent a lot of weekends in the woods, a lot of days in the woods, and nothing. Just could not make it happen this year. So, you know, total opposite of of Evan's season.
0: Yeah, man. And uh, where where were you uh, chasing turkeys this year, Carter?
1: So, like I mentioned in the last podcast I was on, we're uh, almost north Georgia, kind of near the foothills of the Appalachians. And, uh, Luke and I actually, the first time we hung out, he came up to hunt turkeys with me, um, up on a property I had permission on in, uh, in Dahlonega, Georgia, um, which actually anybody familiar with the ranger camp or ranger school up there, it's on Camp Wassego road. It's like less than five miles away from the ranger camp up there. Um, so it's in the, it's in the true mountains and, uh, that's the, that's the property I've primarily been hunting this season. Um, I've got hens on my property, but never any, never any toms, no, no gobblers. Um, so that's the, ter- the 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 property I've been hunting a lot in ago. So briefly, before we
2: you know started the podcast, you had mentioned you've been dealing with some uh, some trespassing and you know some guys that shouldn't be out there being out there. And you kind of attribute some of that to maybe some of your you know lack of success this season because i mean last was it last
1: year that we were out there
2: or was it two years ago
1: i think it was two years ago like yeah the that, first time we hung out and yeah we're like really excited to go turkey hunting because that property is an amazing turkey property you described it on a recent podcast it's kind of like it's surrounded by mountains on both sides and then it the property is basically the the valleys between you know this chain of mountains literally the appalachian mountain like foothills were like four miles away from Springer Mountain, which is like the start of the AT. Um, So the property is kind of like it has this creek running through it called Kane Creek, which is, you know, famous creek up there in in North Georgia. And it's a pristine property and turkeys love it, man. It's secluded and they they roost up on these these, um, ridges, like high, high up in these ridges on these old, old pines, old growth pines. Um, And they'll just pitch off and just... Like fighter jets swing down into these uh, bottoms near the creek. And it's usually an unbelievable like turkey property. And this year it's just been silent. Haven't seen one. Haven't seen, haven't heard it. I didn't hear a gobble all season. Zero, zero gobbles. Didn't see one. No hens. Not like nothing. Total opposite of, you know, every other season we've. Had.
2: Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, because when, when I was up there with you, I mean, we were covered up in gobbles. And hens. I mean, it was. I was spoiled, honestly. To that was like one of my real first turkey hunting experiences. I hunted a little bit at, out at our farm, but it not really. And that was like the first time I really took it seriously and went out there. And like, you know, I called that bird in, which I think was more luck than anything else. But I mean, we were covered up in them.
1: Yeah, it made me feel like a really good host too. I was like, oh yeah, this guy's coming up, and we're gonna hunt together, and we're gonna go turkey hunting. And like, I'm a very, you know, amateur turkey hunter. Turkey hunting's hard, man. There's like a, definitely a learning curve there and uh unless you're we, Evan we were just covered up in turkeys and gobbles just like nonstop. and I was like oh hell yeah like Luke's gonna think I'm such a good turkey hunter like this is awesome <laughs> <laughs> well
2: I mean it, it wasn't like I should have like you were a great host because I, I should have had a bird the the reason I didn't have a bird was my own fault you know I was too slow on the on the
1: old draw there I, I hesitated a little bit and I should have just blasted that son of a bitch. But well the tough Bless thing to about that property too is like like I was describing, with the ridges on both sides, they're really steep. I mean, it, they're real they're they're mountains. I mean, it's not like I used to live in Colorado, so I know what real mountains are. But like for North Georgia, they're real mountains. And when they pitch off, they come in real steep and real quick. And that that gobbler you called in surprised both of us. I mean, albeit we should have had we should have been ready, but he came out of nowhere. Yeah, de-
2: definitely was not expect- He he hadn't even really been talking to us, and he just I, I threw up a r- random little shitty clucking and purr sequence and he
1: came i mean it worked
0: (laughs) dude if there's one thing i'll go ahead ahead, Carter.
1: i was gonna say i think the the quote that luke said it was getting a little late in the afternoon he was like nah fuck it and like just grabbed his his slate call and just started messing around and then next thing you know this beautiful like rope dragon gobbler is like 40 yards away right in front of us that's awesome man Yeah, what I was gonna say, if there's
0: one thing, and I'm a novice, you know, this is my second year turkey hunting, and if there's one thing I've learned, it's that it's unpredictable. Like it's, it's if there's one thing that's for sure with turkey hunting, it's that nothing's for sure, which kind of goes into everything else. But that being said, like if you, I mean, where me and Luke grew up hunting whitetails, it's a guarantee you can kill a doe during rifle season. Like I have never been skunked on a whitetail hunt in my life. Let me rephrase: I've never been skunked for a whole season. There's been hunts where I haven't got something. But I've never went a whole season without killing an animal, which I know is not always the case for a lot of people that hunt. Um, and with turkeys, man, it is just not the case. I mean, Perry's season is a is a prime example of that. It sounds like your season is another prime example of that. Man, it's just so unpredictable. And I don't know if it's because they're dumb. I think uh, I, someone on the Meteor podcast was talking about how Yanni, talks yeah, about it. he's he's like, I don't think that turkeys, like, I don't I don't think that, I don't remember how he words it, but basically, it's just that. I think they're so dumb is why they're so hard. Like they don't even know what they're doing. They just bumble about through the woods and fucking do what they do because they're so stupid. Which I mean, if you ever watch a turkey, they don't look smart, but it's it's a it's a challenging but really fun hunt.
1: Right. It's a good defense mechanism too. It's like a good way for me to justify my season. I'm like, nah, turkeys are just like really smart and they're just like real canny and real good in the woods and that's why I didn't get one this year. It's like an out for us.
2: Yeah. It's like the old KG Buck, right? Like, oh, he just outsmarted me. I'll get him next year.
1: Yeah, exactly. We'll get him next year. Now, I do have, you know, I got some reasons behind why I think it was such a crap season for me. That property I manage, the farmer who owns it, it's like 82 acres. And then I used to have permission on the adjacent farm, which was 250 acres. And that guy sold his property this year. And uh, that was an unbelievable turkey property. But he sold it. And so I just had the 80 acres, you know, that property that, um, that field, we kind of went up into Luke last time you were there, Yep. the adjacent farm just kind of kept going. They were all, they were two old farmers in their seventies and they were fraternity brothers at Auburn. And so I kind of had free reign of, of both of those properties. And then this year, the current owner isn't up there a whole lot. He's down in South Georgia doing stuff. And so I kind of take care of the property while he's gone. And, uh, you know, I've just have. Kept finding signs of somebody else being there that wasn't the owner. The gates would be open, and uh, I picked up a (laughs) hundred, literally a hundred plus shotgun shells in like that main field that you and I were hunting, Luke. Um, a hundred just empty shells. Just were there like busted clays or anything? No clays. Just I mean, and. uh, the owner calls the neighbors around there in this holler, they call he calls them second generation mountain trash. So like it's pretty indicative of like and you guys are y'all from Appalachian, Virginia. You you know the people I'm talking about.
2: Yeah, we're yeah. like sixth generation mountain trash. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so they don't need clays to be shooting stuff. They're just out there, you know, <laughs> dumping <Preach. laughs> dumping these three and a half inch bird shots, like steel shot shells into whatever the air Trees or whatever, so I'm just picking up all these shells all the time, and just
2: a gender reveal out there,
1: <laughs> that's right, yeah, it just sucks, man. And then I caught a guy trespassing while I was hunting up on way up on that ridge where the one you called in flew down from, um and I was actually I kind of have like a turkey hunting mentor, it's my buddy Avery, shout out to Avery, he like lives for turkey hunting,
2: yeah dude, he's a stud, oh. yeah. He lives. I already. see him on 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 the social media, and he fucking stacks him up.
1: Yeah, he tagged out yesterday, and he's been kind of teaching me and mentoring me. He likes he speaks turkey like he gets it. He gets really into it, and uh, he actually called in this hunter this na- on this adjacent property, and he you could see he was flirting with the property line, coming in because he thought Avery was a turkey, and uh, I was like, no fucking way! Like, are you kidding me right now? And he's like, "This happens to me all the time on public land." He's like, "I can't hunt, I can't hunt public that often because I call in other dudes all the time." Some guys would like that. <laughs> yeah, I can see how that would be a, a useful skill set for some people.
2: Yeah, yeah, we're recording this before the episode with Derek posts, but uh, there's some there's some crossover there. <laughs> I'm gonna leave the uh, the title of that episode to be a
0: surprise. You're gonna like it, Carter. Yeah, it's like an Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what ended up happening with, what ended up happening with that dude? When did, did you confront him kick him off? Like tell him to F off and, or.
1: Yeah, I tried to. And then, I mean, it's, it's up the side of a mountain. Like saw him coming in definitely over the property line hunting right below. I mean, inside the pines where all these turkeys roost, which like if you're hunting the neighboring property, that's great. If that's where the turkeys roost, don't get up on their business right there. Like. Call him off to your side of the property. That's I mean, that's all good. That's hunting, right? No like I have no problem with that. But yeah Number one, he was so dumb, he was just up there, kind of just walking around, waltzing around, just like if if they were roosting up there, like obviously they're not gonna be there anymore. And then uh I saw him come over the line and he was coming down towards us and he didn't see us. And so I kind of shouted and waved and we started marching up there to confront him um because like you know i'm supposed to take care of this property while the owner's gone and then as soon as he saw us he just phew, beeline up over the ridge gone out of sight and y'all are familiar clearly familiar with the sixth generation mountain trash and it's not really something you go you don't go traipsing through the woods across other people's property trying to uh citizens arrest them yeah you yeah. do if you also our sixth generation mountain trash well, and you've got more mountain trash on your side <laughs> i did not have more mountain trash on my side i knew that was a good way to uh <laughs> have a really bad day if i went went and did that they've they've been stealing trail cameras from me for years and oh, man. <clears throat> God, sd cards and people man. all sorts of stuff man uh
2: I won't make that joke. I was going to say something about Evan and his profession and what we could do with those trail cameras. Dude, I had that thought. That's so funny, dude, because I was about to make the same injection. Fuck microphone. it, I'll make the joke. So Evan's an uh, EOD Tech, as you fully learned in the last podcast, that we haven't released yet. And uh, he, would, he would probably know what to do with some, you know,
1: we can even make it just a little cherry popper just to scare yeah. him. That's what I need, like the, the banknotes when you steal them, paint in the face. Dude, yeah, just get some blue paint, just get them blasted
0: with blue paint, man.
2: Dude, that would That's actually be need. hilarious. Whoa. And you get like
0: the stink bombs, dude. That
2: might be, I don't know what, you, what liability shit would be this, but that might be the next HLE endeavor is uh, having some sort of little rig that we sell that people get popped in the face with blue paint if they try to steal a fucking trail cam that's, the trail, no that's yeah. the trail cam i would
1: buy that's the trail cam i would buy first i
2: wouldn't even want to get in the trail cam business this would be an add-on
1: attachment that's brilliant then you're not even out 100 bucks yeah.
2: we might have to
0: cut this out so
2: nobody steals my
1: fucking idea yeah yeah how quick can you license an idea like that
0: and all you have to do is we just call local law enforcement and be like hey what would be the like could they sue could that you know call an attorney and I mean, how could they sue if they're trespassing? trespassing? Well, they're, I mean, dude, I mean, people have broken into houses in some states, tripped and fall over something, break an arm, and then sue the homeowner. And, and win, win, right? Yeah, and that has yeah. been a thing. That always, has happened. I've heard
2: about that, but, like, I would, I really want to see the court. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, Everybody talks about that shit, but, like, let me see the court case. Like, did this actually happen? If it did, like, there's some Fuck, rid- ridiculous man. lawsuits out there.
0: I'd know that there are some ridiculous lawsuits, especially in states like fucking California.
2: Everybody watching to State. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but, but yeah, maybe, uh, maybe that's what you guys will see on the horizon is the uh, HLE blue paint charges for your trail cams on public land. We'll, we'll come up with some real, you know, real classy name for them. You probably actually. Couldn't do it on public land, right? Because, no, uh, but are. on on private land, I who's like, why couldn't
0: you put this behind your truck? You know what I am saying? Like that might be a thing,
1: right? You shouldn't be there in the first
0: place. One of my old football coaches, he hunted, um so he had a hunting lease, but he bumped up against I, I don't know. Anyway, he he was having a lot of people steal his uh, chain on deer stands, and he started hiding car batteries and running lamp cord and basically making the chain uh hot and so when dudes would go to the cage <laughs> take the chain it would get fried with a with a car battery man and i was like dude that's he was like i would literally like when i would go <laughs> to the woods i would carry a car battery in and swap them out and i would do this all hunting season and i oh, stopped hilarious. My tree hilarious that's hilarious that's is- hilarious Fucking you know, hilarious! That, that that is some some sixth generation white trash. Like, do not fuck my deer stand, dude.
1: <laughs> he had one too many stolen, and then yeah, decided. I mean, never I can't again. I a guy, man. Fuck, people suck, dude. I,
0: I've I've had I've had my ball hitch stolen. I've had a ratchet straps stolen out of the back of my truck, man. If it's not nailed down, people will take it. I had a oh, yeah. tree
2: stand stolen off Fort Benning. I had a uh, a Summit Viper, a three hundred dollars fucking climber stolen. Yep.
1: Yeah, the public land up in Delonica too. It's the same way. It's cutthroat, man. Yeah. I don't get it.
0: I would never like it's it's all the same. Like we're all doing the same. I would never, especially on public land, cut someone's stand or take someone's trail camera. You know, I would never do that to a fellow hunter. I can't I don't
1: understand the thought process behind that. Yeah. It got so bad I started leaving a note <clears throat> that said, If I'm not here, sit in this stand, please don't steal it. Yeah that I worked mean, out. I had no no other stand stolen after that. But I was like Really? Bro, sit my huh? Yeah, just sit just sit. Just a just like, note. Whatever. Just quit stealing my stuff, <laughs> please. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I
2: hear you, man. And that's one of the reasons, like, after that, so as soon as I realized my summit got stolen, I, heard, I had another standout on Benny. I went, I grabbed it, I grabbed all my trail cams, I pulled everything in. I was like, I'm fucking done. Like, I was so mad. I was like, I'm o- I'm only going out, hunting, and then coming back. I'm not leaving anything out. And I was pissed. I mean, granted, I've, I've got that thing used, so I think I paid 150 but it's like retail, it's like a $350 well, so it's principle. stand, yeah. It's the principle, man. Yeah, and it is. It's like, we're all supposed to be hunters, right? There's supposed to be, like, a camaraderie and a brotherhood with this shit. And you would like to think that somebody who does the things that we do has the same baseline of integrity and morals and ethics. And it's just not the case, you know. It's unfortunate.
1: That's terrible, man. You would hope going into it that – or at least, yeah. I mean, it's probably parents with kids, and, you know, you'd hope that you'd teach them and grow them up that way. And the same way we were, like, hey, don't mess with other people's shit now one time i will say (laughs) i thought i had a camera stolen i i ended up i started chaining my trail cameras to trees this is in a uh, piece of public where i went to college in dahlonega and called three sisters that was just like total cutthroat seventh generation mountain trash it was the worst man uh, yeah that's where i kept getting all my stuff stolen so i started chaining i was like oh i'll show these idiots and i started chaining my trail cameras I found it ripped off and you know destroyed and brought the SD card back to the house and it turns out it was a bear that did it not an individual so
2: yeah I wish you know and I think it really comes down to education and messaging like anything else and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this and continue to do it is I think we need to push that message of like yeah is there some competition when you're in the woods and you know there's hunters nearby like sure like fuck yeah there is like you want to be able to get the deer, you want to be able to get in a better spot, you want to be able to call the turkey, like, 100%. But not at the expense of, you know, your fucking morality, right? Like, it's, there's a, just watching the movie Open Range with the old lady, she'd never seen it. And it's a great movie, man. I, I love Robert Duvall. And something that me and Perry and Evan, we've always talked about, and, and we kind of quote it all the time, but it's, uh, it's the scene where the, the kid cheats in cards, and um, Kevin Costner gets all pissed off at him. And, and he doesn't know why Kevin Costner's so pissed or whatever. And Robert Duvall looks at him and he's just like, You should never sell your integrity for a hand of cards. It's the same thing. You should never sell your integrity or who you are for a fucking tree stand or for a fucking deer or, you know, for a trail camera or for something like that. Like, if it, that's pretty cheap, you know, I mean, it's, you're talking about $150, $100. It, it, it's, it's a pretty cheap way to sell who you are as a man or a person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Especially like for an animal like for a deer or for a turkey or whatever Like, come on man also that movie freaking incredible and i thought i remember watching the movie with my granddad growing up i thought that's what a shotgun did to a man in that last scene in the <laughs> in the shootout in the town i yeah. thought that's what a shotgun did to a man through a freaking wall for about 10 years of my life and i was real fired up <laughs> about it until i learned otherwise
2: <laughs> yeah for those of you that don't know when people get shot with bullets they don't move back the bullet goes through or the energy just stops and they just fall down
1: yeah you don't catapult across the street yeah, you don't get and slam the against wall. the house <laughs> which was which was a huge disappointment wow
0: it does make for really good cinema yeah it is satisfying when you see old kevin costner just blast a guy 12 feet back through a wooden door and there's a you know there's a Bowling
1: ball or a two bowling ball size hole because he pulled both triggers at the same time. There, I mean, it, it makes for a good movie. Yeah, man. In that movie, Kevin Costner shot his he shot his six shooters like he was throwing the forty five yeah. rounds at people. Just, bah, bah,
2: bah. it's badass. Yeah, it's a it's a very underweighted, uh, uh, underweighted, underrated western. For those of you that haven't seen it, you should go check it out. there's as uh, three fellas here who kind of grew up and are, are connoisseurs of the western genre.
1: Yeah, pause this podcast and go watch it.
2: I yeah. <laughs> then come back and join us yeah, that's right make sure you got some course heavies with you that's right oh shit man let's switch over to uh oh evan here and uh your your season was a little different than uh, than carter's thank you yeah, man hit
1: fill us bit. in we've only heard perry complain a little bit on the podcast so i want to hear it from the horse's mouth
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, so I missed opening day of turkey season this year. Um, and a little bit of a preface is I, I got hooked last year. So last year was my first year hunting and another HLE team member, John Ritter. Um, we were both stationed at Bragg at the same time. He, uh, Me and him spent a lot of time together during COVID and um, whatnot, doing some bow, bow fishing down in in, uh, in the Fort Bragg area with him. And then to reciprocate, I brought him up to the mountains. And obviously, he I know him through Luke. Yeah, John's kinda already a part of our
2: camp up there. He he you know, brings stands, helps pay for minerals. Like he he's kinda he's he's one of the in crowd up there. He's he's kinda he's one tier
0: below the sixth generation mountain trash. Yeah. But um so John has John has been very successful turkey hunting in the past and he was he was super successful um in the Fort Bright area. And so he came up and we hunted together and we didn't get, we didn't connect on a bird last year, but I got hooked because I had my first experience where I called one in. Um, And it was just, it was phenomenal. And I absolutely loved it. Um, And so it really motivated me. I mean, to the point to where like no shit a few weeks prior to this year's Turkey season, I was dreaming about Turkey hunting. Like I was just so amped. I bought, you know, bought a vest, got some new calls and I was on the road a lot. um, And I was like practicing my mouth calls in the cars or in, while I was traveling like I was just sitting there watching YouTube
1: videos for hours. Yeah, it's addicting like nothing else, man. I mean, I love deer hunting and I think about it 24/7, but turkey hunting is like a totally different beast, like the interactive part of it. It is it is addictive. Once you get once you like once you call and you get your first return gobble, I mean, there's not much else that can fire you up like that
2: it's so true man like i never i said this to evan the other day we were watching we had just gone uh, turkey hunting out here and uh, i can get to that later kind of our experience but we were watching some uh some videos of of a turkey hunt and i was just like man you don't appreciate turkeys as a species until you hunt them like they're actually a badass bird you always think they're kind of goofy but like they're pretty vicious predators like those things will eat fucking mice and Like they're they're very much omnivores. Like they're like little. I I always joke and call them, but like they're fucking dinosaurs. Like they're you're calling in this fucking dinosaur to come in that wants to fuck your decoys, and like it's pretty satisfying when it happens. Um, it's cool. It's it it definitely the level of engagement is so much more fun than white. Like maybe you can you know grunt in a buck like it's not as consistent as when you throw out that that hen call and then that that you get that gobble your your heart immediately you know perks up and you're like oh shit like, you know he's coming in and then he never comes in or he might come in but that's a different story
0: yeah it, you're you hit the nail exactly on the head and like i growing up only well not only whitetail hunting but primarily whitetail hunting it was something new and as we've talked about on the podcast before you know i missed four years of hunting season and so like it just motivated me to expand on Uh, the hunts that I wanted to go on. And so it was another reason why turkey hunting was uh, uh, something that I really got hooked on quick, was just a different time of year, something new, same piece of property, but completely different hunt style. And it was great. And uh, towards the, uh, it was actually, I want to say it was my last day hunting last year. Me and Perry were hunting together um, and connected on a Jake. It was a Jake. It was a juvenile bird, but man, it was a blast. And it was super unique because Perry was on the call. We saw this Tom moving um, long story short, we tried to head him off across the creek, got set up. We saw him moving with the hen through the trees to the, across the neighbor's field. And we were like, we're going to see if we can call him back. We were running because you could only hunt till, um, noon at that time. And it was like eleven fifteen. And so I scooted up a little bit to try to peek into the field. And as I'm scooting up, Perry's like just scratching on the pot call a little bit. And this Jake flies from the field over our decoys. Um, and lands in the tree above Perry and I was just quicker on the gun than Perry was because he had a call in his hand and I had a gun in his hand or in in my hand and so I turn and shoot this Jake out of a tree Um, it was phenomenal it was really cool me and Perry were super pumped and so and again just another thing that just added to my just super hard drive this year and I you know I knew I was going to miss opening day so I was bummed about it so I just spent a lot of time um, with the mouth calls and pot calls um and trying to trying to and, and I have no idea if if I'm good decent or shit I don't know but I know that it, you know I connected two times this year so maybe it paid off maybe I got lucky but it was I definitely put in some call time
1: yeah that's definitely how you learn right but
0: um so missed missed opening day um so I was out in Washington training and our Uh, I didn't think we were going to be able to fly out until Saturday, so I thought I was going to miss the second weekend, too. Well, training ended up getting cut short, so I moved my flight, got three hours of sleep, flew from Washington back to Bragg, loaded up the shotgun, loaded up all my turkey stuff, and drove three hours up the mountain. Got up in the mountain, like, at at 11 at night, and, you know, me and Perry was already there. We, like, kind of high-fived, went to bed, woke up. Um, I was running on, like, eight hours of sleep total in, in two days and uh, maybe less than and and go to the woods. And had a, I went to a spot where I knew that there was a, a super mature tom roosting in the previous season, and I took the wrong approach. Um, and as I'm moving in, he was – I think it was him. I kicked a bird off the roost. It was dark, um, but I kicked a bird off the roost, a solo bird, and I think it was him. Um, and I still sat up where I was going to sit. And uh, then I decided that um, I was going to relocate because I wasn't hearing anything. And I, because I didn't know, I was actually sitting there like Googling how to hunt a bird that you kick off the roost, which was.
1: Yeah, what? What? Uh, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. People are like, like turkey experts are and to listen to this and be like, oh, my God, these amateurs. I don't know. Yeah, I'm admittedly a total amateur with turkey. But what kind of like uh, what kind of trees are they roosting in their hardwoods or pines or like where at I'm trying to picture on your farm?
0: Yeah, man. So our our farm has a super eclectic variety of pine stands, hardwoods, poplars, some like old cutover stuff that's like uh, not mature. We have mature pines, we have mature hardwoods, and we have juvenile. So it's got a, a and then there's a, about, what do you think, Luke, about 50% of the farm is pasture land? Yeah, probably a little less, but yeah. we're yeah, close to. That. yeah. So, I mean, it's it's got a great mix of stuff, Um, and it, this particular bird was roosting in, it was like an old cut over and then it, it, it wasn't planted. It was re uh, what's the word? It, it basically, it was a mixture of the, the regrowth there. So it was hardwoods and pines. And I think this bird that I kicked him out of was in a pine tree, but it was intermixed with, you know, some oaks, some maples, some poplars um, and, and, and other stuff, but, and it was up on a ridge. And so I you can see me Carter, but the listeners can't see me. So as I came up, I came from one of the fields, um, on the, on the Northeast corner of our property going uphill and it was coming in too close basically to the roost site on this trail. I should have went the long way around and kind of came back towards the backside, but again, being super novice and I didn't know exactly where he was roosting because I didn't roost this bird. I just knew that it was a roost area because we found roost trees previously. And that was the area where I called in um, the bird uh, that I ended up not getting because he hung up on a Creek at about 60 yards for like an hour and a half goblin and just would not cross that Creek, but much super mature bird, like straight up beard dragger, man. Um, and so I think it was him. It could have been another bird. It was dark. So kicked him off the roost again, set up, sat there Googling how to hunt a bird that you kick off the roost. And I, you know, got some tips, but I sat for an hour, hour and a half, would not hear anything, but I heard some gobbles um, on our property, back towards our hunting cabin area. Um, y'all heard us reference the nine point stand that was like up towards the nine point area. And then also on the neighbor's property way off in the distance. So I was like, you know what, there's one thing I've, I've learned is like, go where you hear birds. So I pick up, pack up and I move. Um, and I set up, uh, kind of honestly, like not on the property line, but I can see the neighbor's property line. And I was hoping to either call in one of the birds that was on the neighbor's property line or call in that one that was up near the nine point stand, um, area, uh, which is, I think, I think we've got a roost spot up there too. Um, so I sit there and it was slow. Like I w I wasn't getting super quick responses, but I'm pretty sure, uh, these Toms were still responding to me, but it wasn't immediate. I wasn't hitting the call and getting that immediate gobble. It was hit the call and then a minute later, get a gobble. And it was like that for about another hour. And then it was silence. Um, And it was probably silence for 35, 40 minutes. And then I heard him get like significantly close. And it was the one coming from the neighbor's property. So I started getting pumped up. I mean, I'm getting amped up. Scratch the call a little bit, hit the mouth call a little bit, um, trying to mix it up. And then another return gobble, and I could tell he's moving. Well, then he shuts up for another half hour. And obviously, I don't want to move because I can tell he's coming to me. Um, and also, I didn't really have anywhere to move because of the neighbor's property line being there. And how I was set up, I could only see down this hunting trail. Um, and it ended up being really cool because I had deer off to my right hanging out at like sixty meters. so I was trying not to spook them because I knew if they blew and busted out of there, but I was gonna alert that turkey. But so some time went by and I couldn't see, but then this dude erupted and I could tell he was probably already in shotgun range, but I just couldn't see him because it was blocked by a bunch of hardwood trees. And some underbrush, and so I get ready, and then he gobbles like four or five times right on top of me. I mean, it was almost like I could feel the the vibrations. He was so close. And dude, my I'm when I say I haven't been that excited since my first deer hunting, I was breathing so like I was tr- like doing breath control drills, like trying to calm my heart rate and stuff. I was moving and shaking. Like I had the I had the thought to try to get my phone out and video it, but I was like, no, nah, there's no way I'm gonna risk like messing up this hunt by trying to self-film. Um, and then it, se- it seemed like forever. And then I see a tail fan. He was uh, strutting. I see a, the, his tail fan up above this log. And he comes straight into my Jake. Um, I see the tail fan and, and him strutting. And then his head popped out. And I told Luke and Perry, I was like, there's a part of me that wishes I would have given it a few minutes. Because I think he was about to fuck up that Jake decoy because he was pissed. His head was white. He was mad. Um, and he came in hot, but as soon as his head got clear, man, I, I popped him and he went, he went down. It was, dude, it was absolutely phenomenal.
1: And he was the giant you had been seeing and hearing.
0: No, um, that was, that was actually, so you heard in previous podcasts that I, I think that one is the one that Perry missed the opportunity on. that didn't have a shot on. Cause that was a, I mean, the biggest, probably the biggest bird I've seen turkey hunting. Uh, super unfortunate that Perry didn't get it. I think this one, and another reason that it was cool is I think I called him off the neighbor's property, like a ways off the neighbor's property. Like there's a old gravel road that runs behind there um, in a valley between these two ridges. Our property line is on a ridge. And I think he was on the opposite ridge. So if that was that bird based off the gobbles and how it was moving, he he crossed some terrain and crossed a road. Dude, that's like over at Cluck. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. I, I mean, and it was... I, I don't know. He definitely came from the neighbor's property. If he started on our property, then he had to cross the property line twice. I don't know, but I, I think, and again, I couldn't see him approach because it was I didn't see him until he was at twelve fifteen yards. Um, but I think he came from the neighbor's property, and it wasn't the one that I was chasing. And I think I think the one that I was chasing that morning was the one that Perry ended up um, missing a shot on, or not missing a shot, but not getting an opportunity to shoot.
1: Yeah, they're amazing critters, man. I don't I don't know whether they're smart or stupid but when they want to do something they do it and when they don't they don't
0: yeah and that's the thing it was it's unreal because you know you hear about them hanging up on obstacles and stuff and i saw that in the previous season where that i mean for an hour and a half this tom was just i mean a a big mature tom just hung up on this little creek i mean it was there wasn't even water and it. it just wouldn't come in Um, But he could see my decoys. And uh, so I've heard when they can see the decoys, you know, because the hens come to them, you're trying to get them to do something that goes against what's natural to them biologically. But then this bird crossed some crazy terrain if it was the one on the neighbor's property to get to me. So.
1: Right. And everybody says that about like antelope too, right? Like they won't, they won't jump fences. And then when I went hunting in Wyoming, like you see it all the time. I mean, they're everywhere. They jump fences. Like We can't (laughs) – we just have this tendency as humans to want to, like, pigeonhole these animals and be like, oh, yeah, turkey won't cross a creek. It's just not going to happen. Oh, antelope won't jump a fence. But they're going to surprise you, you know, every time.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Though I will say I do see them go under the fences, the antelope around here, more than I see them go over the fences. But they will jump a fence. But, yeah, I mean, like – we sit here and we try to learn all this stuff and all this behavior. And the thing is, is none of us are experts. And most of the people we're learning from aren't fucking experts. We're not actually learning them from the biologists. that, have, It's all kind of anecdotal evidence for most folks, right? You have some true experts out there. Uh, but especially in the social media age, we're all just kind of learning anecdotally. And then you've got to think there's, you know, there's all these environmental factors. There's topography. There's hunting. You might be. You can hunt birds in Georgia, and the birds that you're hunting in North Georgia behave completely differently than the birds down in you know Southwest Georgia. And you know, out here in Colorado, like trying to figure out, like, okay, am I hunting Rio's or Miriams or who fucking knows? Because they blend and they 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 barely look any different, but they behave different. Like, it's just this whole quandary that we find ourselves in. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Go ahead, Carter.
1: I said it. Well, it has to be anecdotal, right? I mean, that's all. it's all. Anything really is, you know. Like none of us are actually experts, and like let's get a turkey on the ground and then figure out if it's a Miriam's or a Rio.
2: Oh yeah, we don't give a shit what we shoot out here, but it's
0: just hard to find any of them. They're they're way thinner than the eastern variety. Yeah, that that goes into another point of that particular hunt is. Something I read, and I'm not going to say learned, but something that I was like, okay, I'm going to try this year turkey hunting is I heard on the Meteor podcast twice um, when they had that biologist on there, which, by the way, if you're a turkey hunter and you haven't listened to those episodes, go listen to them because I learned a crap ton uh, from that turkey expert. I think he actually graduated from Virginia Tech. Oh, did he? I, don't I think so. It. I'm pretty behind on Meteor, so um, I may but have missed that It one. was a great episode, and they were talking about what they would GPS birds <laughs> and then they would gps hunters and where a hunter would set up and call a bird would maybe respond but not come in and so the the hunter would get up and move and then three hours later that bird would come into the exact spot that hunter was because they're so good at like geolocating and they're so aware of where they're at in their home range um and where and where to locate sounds at the these birds were, and it wasn't, this isn't something that happened like once or twice. I mean, it's not like a, a, a shot in the dark type thing. I mean, it's over and over and over. They're seeing this happen. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to really try to be patient, especially if I hear birds and just sit it out. And I, I mean, I, I sat there for, I think it ended up being close to two hours, which again, I'm a novice, but seems to be a long time when you're turkey hunting, you don't hear a lot of people sitting for, for that long. Um, but
1: yeah, my buddy Avery. When I would hunt with him, he would go for what I thought was an excruciatingly long amount of time between calls. And at daybreak, he's pretty good at a he's a, pretty good at a hoot owl call. And then he would wait forever, forever to call. And then he would just leave it. And when Luke and I hunted together, we're both very impulsive individuals. And uh, I know it was taking every atom in our what? being to like not <laughs> yeah, surprise to not like scratch out a little. Little something every once in a while, little putt, little yelp. Well, I
2: do get what a lot of folks say on the don't don't overcall, but when we were out there at your place, dude, that hen did not shut up for like three and a half, four hours. We sat in that one spot to the point where we're like, is that another hunter? But like, I don't think it was. Like that hen just continuously now. That was when we, I was kind of just like, fuck it. Like, she's going. I'm going to go. And then I started going. And then that's when that bird came in. I mean, that's. Yeah, then,
1: then you called in a gobbler.
2: <laughs> it, there's so many factors. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what actually, you know, brought that bird in. But I, I, just, I, I don't know. I think that ultimately you've got to kind of play this scenario as it's playing out. And if you're sitting there and you can hear a hen going, maybe it makes sense to try to call like, call over it. And, and go because you need to be the more dominant hen that wants to get bred. If it's dead silent in the woods and you're hearing a very sparse goblin, like maybe you just throw out the occasional call. But I think it's, I think we do tend what you're talking about, like the pigeonhole these things. Same with the tactics like, oh, you, you don't overcall, don't do this, don't do that. And it's like, well, if you're in a, a very hot area, I don't think you can overcall. I think it, it's that because when you listen to these animals in their habitat, it's, it's like with grunt, grunting bucks. Everyone's like, "Oh, don't, don't, don't call," you know, "don't overcall on grunts." Well, when you hear a, t- a buck tendon, that some bitch does not stop tending; like he is just throwing those calls out. And so, I think it's really situation dependent, and you need to really understand what's going on in the environment at the time, and then make that decision. Like if you are cold in an area, like sure, like maybe you don't call a lot, but if you are in a hot area, like. I, I don't know. I think, and I'm an aggressive person, anyways. Like you said, I think I would just fucking keep calling.
1: Yeah, that's how like I am during deer season. I grunt. I grunt as soon as rifle season opens in October, all the way through January. I mean, just like maybe it just gives me something <laughs> to do, and I feel like I'm doing something. But I think I'm I'd say after your kid
2: it. got uh, got conceived. Yeah, it could be, it could be
1: <laughs> just get, just getting after it. You know, <laughs> running
2: around the house. <laughs>
1: I remember when I got my first like when I first started getting into like trying to turkey call my wife was like you need to go out in the shop and you need to you need to go do that somewhere else
0: <laughs> Dude I I texted the team chat did you see that Carter when I was in Seattle
1: uh, and, uh
0: maybe Dude it was so funny so I'm practicing my mouth calls I'm in Seattle which is obviously not a super like turkey hunting heavy population of people and there's also like a massive population of homeless people in that area. And I'm at this intersection. There's like a homeless camp there. And there's this one chick tweaking, and I'm like just going ballistic on this turkey call. And she was not happy about it, man. She's just like, she's like tweaking to the sounds of the turkey call. And I'm freaking dying and like, You are like it's working, it's working. It was so funny, man. It was so funny. (laughs) Next thing you know, she just starts walking to the truck. (laughs) Yeah, but like there, so people intersection, but have have never heard a turkey call. But it was actually cool in Fayetteville. I was doing the same thing, and it was like when it would actually felt good outside in Fayetteville, and I had my windows down, and I was turkey calling, and I see this guy laugh next to me, and he grabs his turkey call, and he starts turkey calling, and so we were like calling back and forth, cracking up. It was pretty funny, man. That's
2: hilarious. My wife said the same thing. She was like you're done you're not doing this in the house anymore and i started doing it in the garage and she's like i can still hear it do it on the way to work
1: (laughs) yeah or get good at it right one or the other yeah
0: but dude another thing on that hunt is i was like i i I had bought um uh i I bought four calls but I, i left one in my truck um so i had three mouth calls diaphragm calls and i had bought two pot calls um and so on this hunt, like I wasn't getting a whole lot of response there for a while. And so I just kept uh kept trying different things. Just like kept trying to uh different methods of diaphragm calls, of the mouth calls, um, of the pot calls, trying clucks, trying trying purrs, trying different Yelps, trying different like pitches of these calls, different frequencies and, and stuff that I learned. And then it ended up working, and I have no idea if that had a factor um, or, or or what. But what I do know is that, like, I, th- I think there's a small difference in practicing these calls sitting in your truck or sitting in your house than when you're in the woods. And I don't really know what that difference is. I don't know how to define it or put my finger finger on it. But I do think there's a difference in, you know, putting in a diaphragm call in your truck on the way to work and practicing your Yelps as opposed to putting a diaphragm call in under a face mask in the woods while your heart's beating and all that I think there's a difference in that so I took it as an opportunity to try to practice some of these calls in the woods as well and I don't again I don't know if it had a factor on me being successful or not no idea but I, it did work and it I learned a lot too
1: right and it's just like you know training for the game time situation right whether it's you know weightlifting or whatever cardio running anything like that training for the actual scenario that you're going to be in because like turkeys I mean it's like it's its whole nuanced language with a million different <laughs> dialects and it's it's complicated, man. I mean, you can you can make it as complicated as you want. You can really get into it. Um, so yeah, I think the you know, there's a lot to be said about <laughs> people like Luke and I'll throw myself in that group, the aggressive ones. The best way to learn is by talking to turkeys, you know? Like we have chickens here at my house and I've thought about you know, if I got a couple of turkeys, you know, could I practice my calling? Would it be more authentic to like practice with turkeys in the yard? Like, I don't know. You would think so, right? I mean, yeah, that would make sense to me. But yeah, it's as, it's as complicated and as nuanced as, as you can make it. But, you know, at the end of the day, <clears throat> and hopefully that's what everybody listening to this podcast is all about, is like, you know, there's nothing like there's everything to be said about learning a new discipline and learning a new style of hunting. Like you and I did not grow up like it was it was deer hunting. Well, I didn't even grow up hunting, but deer hunting is like the focus. And then, you know, turkey hunting was not, that has been added on to the passion as it's developed over the years. Like, you know, I killed, my first two turkeys were of questionable legality. And uh, the, the most, most recent one was, it was done the right way, like how it should be. Like you said, with the heart thumping in the chest and you're all fired up about it. And the, the gobbler came in and he was strutting and he came into the decoys and like fired up the first two eh, questionable legality, but you know, learning new disciplines and adding that to the, to the passion of, of hunting is hopefully what everybody listening is all about. It's like, you know, never a bad thing to learn something new and you can make it as difficult and nuanced as you want.
0: Yeah, man. I, I completely agree with that. And it's, it's, I think the reason, cause I've killed turkeys and like you say, and I, you know, I, I was, I think the last turkey I'd killed prior to the one last season that I told you I shot out of the tree was one I killed illegally. And, and me and my buddy where it wasn't, we were just walking through the woods and I saw a turkey and I was like, you know, I want to try a turkey. And I shot it. I mean, we did eat it, but um, it, I didn't get that, like that, that heart pumping. Like I earned this thing I, and I, and I had guilt about it and it wasn't, it wasn't rewarding. And like, so I, I do think there's a lot of merit to what you're saying there, because, you know, when that that was the first one that I called in and was successful and it, it just, dude, it was a it was a such a phenomenal experience. And like that moment right there just made me a lifetime turkey hunter, like that one day, just guaranteed that I'll be chasing toms for the rest of my life, like as long as I have the ability to do that. So I think there's a lot of merit to what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's an addiction, man what uh think, luke oh
0: sorry
2: go ahead no i'm just gonna jump in so like i, I told the story i don't remember a couple episodes back about the two hens i shot uh, and the, how they were <laughs> illegal i don't even remember if i gave the full rundown so like all right so to, what i didn't say then because i was kind of wrapped up in the story and laughing was like it's a funny story sure but like to all our younger listeners this is not condoning illegal like we all have learned these lessons the hard way and it's really because we didn't have I didn't really have a, a honey mentor other than like the guy sitting to my right here and we're the same age fumble fucking making all the same mistakes together so he was just more experienced than I was and but as far as our you know frontal lobe development was still pretty low it still is but uh yeah it was really low back then and so it was, it, I don't want I to don't want to con, uh, condone you know the, the illegal you know killing of of, of animals but you know it, it did happen I think a lot of us can relate to it and I think too many people are afraid to talk about it I agree and I think it's really important to talk about and to, to tell it, so like the next, the generation behind us can like kind of learn from it. But, but yeah, I mean the two that I killed, I was driving, I was in my Jeep, I jumped out the sunroof, I had a twenty-two little tip Ruger ten-twenty-two, shot these two hens in the neck, I like killed both of them. I don't know what season it was. Like it was everything about this was extremely illegal, uh, from. I mean, it was on our farm, so I mean, I wasn't trespassing, so I had that going for me, but other than that, that was about <laughs> the only thing I did right, uh, but I did eat them, and, but but you learn from that, and there there is no gratification, like, I didn't like, it wasn't like, like, oh, yeah, look, it was just more, like, honestly, in my mind, that was just grocery shopping, that was yeah. like, I'm going to shoot these and eat them, and you know, at the time I was like, wow, what does the government need to tell me when I can shoot stuff on our own you know, property? I didn't understand the bigger picture of conservation and, and buying into the system and paying into the system and, and that whole thing. And as I've learned that, I, I realized why there's a problem with what I did, uh, you know, for the species as a whole. But I do think a lot of people make those mistakes when they're younger and
0: in their youth. And it's good to talk about. I agree. And, and you know, in a, uh, Post apocalyptic scenario. I promise you, I'm not going to be turkey hunting with a shotgun and camo, trying to call one in. I'm going to plink in the head with a at 100 yards with a 22 because it's about meat, right? It's about survival, so it's a lot different. But in this scenario, like I, it's it's you don't like you say you don't get the experience. You know, the experience. It wasn't the kill. It wasn't the turkey being on the ground that hooked me on turkey hunting for life. It was the whole process. It was that whole morning, me fucking up and kicking the one off the roost and having to Google and learn in the woods and then trying new things and then it panning out like that, that experience right there is, is irreplaceable. And you just don't get that when you, you know, so I, I think there's a, a lot of people don't talk about the mistakes they've made, but I'm, I'm very willing to. And I think it's extremely beneficial.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. And that's one of the reasons why I'm, you know, so passionate about introducing new people to hunting as a whole, like as a mentor.
0: Yeah. So you want me to, jump in and start talking about the, the second hunt of the season. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Actually, before we do that, let's uh let's do
2: a quick plug for our favorite mortgage loan officer. So as everybody knows, Casey Burns is the official mortgage officer of the Huntlifty podcast. Uh, he's based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, can sell mortgages or whatever he does technically in all 50 states. And he's one of the best in the business. He works for prime lending. Uh, he's who I use. He's who Evan uses. Uh, Perry's used him, John and Andrew, uh, Pete's honestly working with him right now, as you heard a a few episodes back and we all have had a phenomenal relationship. Uh, he's one, he's been one of my friends for 10 years. He doesn't just treat me, you know, a certain way. He treats every single person that way and he's trustworthy. He'll, tell you if he can't help you and he'll still try to find the right person to help you. Like he's just that type of person. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I was willing to bring him on as a sponsor and endorse him. Cause he's got the same like values and ethics that we do here at HuntLifty. And I just appreciate the hell out of that. Cause you just don't see a lot of that today, especially in like the financial industry and in like, inbe- or not investment sales, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Just like selling, you know, stuff in the financial industry, you get a lot of pushiness, you get a lot of, you know, dishonesty, and he's just not like that at all. Uh, If you guys want to contact him, talk to him about a refi, uh, FHA loan, conventional loan, VA loans, USDA, investment loans, anything, he can help you out. He'll he'll let you guys know what the market looks like, let you know where interest rates are, where he kind of sees things going. Just give him a call at 919-710-1864 or hit him up on email at burns at primelending.com. You can also go to his website and check out all of his reviews at com. But yeah, man, why don't you go ahead and uh, give us the rundown on that
0: second bird. Yeah, so that was um, uh, the first weekend that I hunted, and then the next day wasn't successful. So that was Saturday when I killed that bird. First morning of my first hunt of the year, killed that one. Um, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so then the following weekend, um, head back up, and it was, again, first morning. And Perry was there with me for both weekends. And so I went back to the same spot to try to chase my, my Moby Dick bird. And now Perry's got a little taste of this fucking bird that we just can't so have a little taste of the Moby Dick. <laughs> I mean, you're have to ask Perry that question. I can't speak <laughs> for him. classic
1: Perry, man. <laughs> yeah, classic Perry.
0: But, uh, so go to the same spot, but came in the right way this time, right? So I was like, if he's roosting in the same, same area, I'm not going to kick him off the tree. Um, get set up. In a, in a great spot, I thought like I was pumped for this morning and man, I had birds goblin everywhere, just not where I was hunting. And I gave it like 15 minutes and I was like, you know what? I don't think this bird's in the area if he is, he's quiet, but again, I'm going to go while birds are still roosted. It was dark at this point. I'm going to go to where I, and I, and a little caveat on that, where I heard birds, I could tell three were in the same general area. So three toms in a general area that I'm not hearing anything in mine, I was like, you know what, I'm
1: going to get out of this little spot here. Were they all around you, like completely encircled?
0: No. So I had one um, that was back behind me, same property line I was talking about in the previous hunt that was way off the property. Um, But then the three that I'm talking about were kind of across that backfield that I mentioned I came up on when I kicked that bird off the roost on the first hunt. Um, They were across that backfield in another known roost spot that me and John had found in the previous uh, season. So I was like, you know what? It's still dark out. Um, I'm going to try to shoot across the backfield before the sun comes up and hear a gobble and then find a spot to get set up. Well, that – so they were ended up being a little bit further than I thought they were. They sounded a lot closer. Um, And so by the time I got into position, the sun was up, and they had already pitched down off the roost, but they were still going fucking nuts. And so I could see them that they had pitched down in on the edge of this field. Um, and I could see that there was two toms. They were both still gobbling. I don't know where the third one went, but there was clearly three on the roost gobbling in that area. And then they had a hen. And I was like, okay, um, not really sure what to do here, but we're going to, we're going to throw some shit at the wall and see what sticks. Um, and I had, uh, I had a little bit of cover. And so I just got low and stayed behind all these thick um, rose bushes and was moving in, moving in on them, and I could see them, and uh, I got to a spot where I was like, there just wasn't a good spot to set up, because of how the terrain was, and where they were, there wasn't, like, there was so much cover and underbrush between me and them, I didn't want to set up to where they couldn't see my decoys, which I I don't know if that matters or not, but it just didn't feel right, so I kept kind of encroaching, and I almost screwed myself, um, and so I like peek my head up to try to see where they are and they didn't like take off. But then I saw all three of their heads up, both Tom's and that hen, their heads immediately went vertical and they start looking around and they didn't haul ass. They just kind of moved out of the area.
1: What uh, what decoys were you running? And then what was your thought process behind those or or was there a thought process or was it more like I have a Jake, that's, that's what I'm doing?
0: Yeah, so that's a that's a really good question, man. And that goes back to some of that preseason prep I did. I spent a lot of time on YouTube and forums, and um, Mossy Oak has a great series. Oh, or wait, Mossberg. I'm sorry, misspoke. Mossberg has a great series on turkey hunting, and I don't remember the guy's name, but he's got some phenomenal videos um, for you guys to uh, check out if you're interested. Just Google Mossberg uh, turkey hunting call tips different tips and i mean you i'm sure it'll bring it to you but so the decoy strategy i ran i got from this dude and he said that the only decoy uh strategy that he uses is a breeder a jake either a strutter or not and then he he paints the jake's head white so all the red on it he paints it white with like fingernail polish or an outdoor paint and then if he does three decoys the only change if he does three he'll do a lookout hen. And, well, I had – so, because of that, I bought two decoys. I didn't buy the lookout hen, but that's my next next one if I want to run three decoys. So, the breeder, just to clarify, that's the hen that's laying on the ground, correct? Correct, and it's also how the head's positioned. So, I use Avion X decoys is what I've chose just from recommendations of guys on the team. And Again, I'm a novice turkey hunter, but they seem to be some pretty top-quality decoys. They last longer. They're super realistic. You can deflate them, so you can pack them in. They're light. They're not – they're just – I, I highly recommend those decoys. That's what I went with. And the Avion X makes a breeder decoy hen um, specifically. And then what, what uh, this guy recommended when I did all season and it worked, seemed to work, is you don't put her on a stake. You just put her on the ground um, because when a hen's about to get bred, she's going to lay down. And then you put the Jake not close. Another thing that I learned or got told is um, – uh just lost my train of thought, sorry, is, is don't cluster up your decoys. So a lot of people put their decoys like super on top of each other, a meter, two meters apart. He was like, don't be afraid to spread them out. A is going to give more opportunity for a bird coming a long ways away to see them. And then B it's, it looks more natural, especially if you're running uh, three decoys, not to have them in a cluster. So then I would put the Jake, depending on the terrain, depending on where I was setting up um, kind of offset, not directly in line, with her but kind of offset like he would come in and just try to make it look natural um so that was my uh decoy
1: strategy there carter yeah that's awesome i we've had a ton of uh good luck running the the breeder hand just on the ground no stake but like on the ground like luke was saying and then just positioning a a jake like behind her as if it's going to breed her um there's a decoy called the funky chicken which just looks it just looks like dog shit it looks terrible it's like almost standing vertically it's like a small little like i don't know little bigger than like a a beer bottle the funky chicken and it seems to bring toms in real aggressive maybe because he's like smaller looking or something like that um he just looks terrible like he like he would get his ass whipped um but those yeah that decoy setup has worked really well here in georgia
0: nice yeah it seems to be seems to be something that's tried and true for a lot of turkey hunters the strategy makes sense though, because you know,
2: you go to the bar like back in your early twenties, and you see the scrawny little soy boy trying to <laughs> hit on the hot chick, and you're not you're not having any of it, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And
1: two pitchers of beer <laughs> says the soy boy is not getting it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh but, man! But uh, but yeah, um, so I I they clearly saw me, but I was camoed up, I had my face mask up, um, and I was concealed with the exception of like my eyes the only thing i brought above this underbrush was my eyes to to try to look into this field and see him so i don't i think that's one of the reasons they didn't hightail out of there And they're about 120 yards so they move up into the woods to where i can't see him and i'm like well fuck i just screwed up this great opportunity um and i'm trying to think like all right i don't again i don't know how to really hunt turkeys especially don't know how to like chase turkeys so like in my mind like okay maybe i could cut them off. So i'm thinking about like moving into like moving up through the woods and trying to intersect them and get in front of the direction that they were heading. Well, i'd been sweating cuz i hauled ass uh across the the field that morning to try to get set up. So i like take off my first like base layers like right there. I'm like all right, i'm going to go ahead and get comfortable. And so as i'm repositioning and putting my decoys up and packing them back up ready to move, um i hear <laughs> i hear that hen start clucking and then immediately boom both gobblers hit and i was just like well shit all right well now i'm i'm also kind of screwed because i'm not in a good place to set up and they were closer now so it seemed like they were moving down the wood line along the edge of that field moving towards me um so i just like damn near belly crawled really fast out put my decoys out in this area and um to Little spoiler alert, like I got this on film, and I think Luke's gonna gonna post it on Instagram at some point, and you'll be able to see like it's not the, the best spot, it's just not, um. But it ended up working, so I just threw the decoys out, and it's right on this fence, and I was like, I, I don't didn't have a choice. If I crossed the fence, they would have seen me because I would have been exposed in this field, um. And if like, I so there's no way I was doing that. And I was just like, I'm hoping I could call them in at least to the fence, and I knew I could shoot through the fence, um, or get them to cross the fence but i also knew that there was an obstacle there but i made sure that i kept that fence like in shotgun range so if they were on the fence that um i could shoot through the fence basically and it ended up working great but it was again another agonizing like over hour and it was aggressive and it was funny because perry's texting me at this time and he's like i'm not hearing shit and i'm like don't even want to text because i've got so much going on like these birds are going nuts this hen's going nuts and then what's crazy is because of all this commotion I'm calling, it kicks up two more toms back where I was. So I hear birds, and then they start moving in. I can tell they're getting closer. So I've got like two to four birds, depending on, because they're all gobbling at each other at the same time. It was really hard to di- differentiate between how many there was. And the meanwhile, Perry's like, man, I'm not hearing shit. This morning sucks. And I'm like, not over here, bro. Like, not on this end of the farm. And he's <laughs> like, like the you perfect luck-
1: storm for you.
0: Yeah, he was like, you lucky awesome. bastard. Well, so real quick, though,
2: I think that's like kind of a good thing for us to think about is that we'll sit there and when nothing's going on, we're like, nothing's moving today. Well, that's that's not true. Right. The animals are. It's not like they're all just they just slept in. Like yeah. They still got to fucking eat. <laughs> they still got to go fuck like they're going to still go do their thing. Uh, they're just probably here's probably in the wrong spot. And I think that's something when I think we can tend to not be aggressive especially with turkey hunting less with deer hunting because it can change on a dime but especially with turkey hunting like if you're not hearing anything you're sitting there you sit like fucking get up and move and go find them
1: yeah if if deer gobbled it would change our perspective i would imagine <laughs> also you be know creeped out. like you know like you know the deer are moving they're gonna they're gonna get up and they're gonna it would change our perspective like from the tree stand like you would know the deer are moving regardless but
0: And I think Luke's also going to release this because I I don't know if it's going to be beneficial for listeners slash viewers slash just HLE supporters or just anyone uh, that likes turkey hunt. But I got on film this hen coming out and coming in to the decoys, and it was fucking awesome, man, Um, because she's going nuts. And so, again, like this is after about an hour of just talking, and I see the hen come out in the field at about 100 meters, and the tom strutting, and they go back in the woods and, like, just playing this game with me for a while. Well, then this hen, I think she saw my Jake decoy through the fence and through some brush because she comes bee lining out of the woods, like at a run towards me. Then she kind of stops and starts uh, clucking and yelping clearly at these decoys, like clearly at these decoys. And then she comes to the fence, hangs up on the fence, kind of walks back and forth a little bit, looking like she's trying to find a gap to get bred by this Jake. So I don't really know how it works. I don't know if she had been bred by these toms already. I don't know what pulled her away from the toms to this Jake. I have no idea. All I know is that from what I know about the Turkey world, the hens come to the mail is that she was looking to get bred by my Jake decoy. And also because I think she was a dominant hen and she was pissed off. that There was another hen in the area, IE me and my decoy me calling and then her seeing my breeder hen out there. I think it really chapped her ass because if she was a more dominant hen it that that's what i took from this scenario and i did get it all on film and i think luke's going to release that on the hle page um as well yeah i'll drop those videos concurrently with this podcast
2: that's yeah. awesome
1: man turkeys like i get so nervous hunting, hunting turkeys cuz you always hear about how well they can see so i never video anything like deer you can hold up hold up a phone and video deer no problem but that's awesome you got all that
0: yeah and so I had my phone out like while they were off in the distance and I was like, you know, I'm going to try and just get something. And if I end up obviously wanting to kill one's going to be a priority. So if I end up not getting a video, that's fine. But just to get content, you know, Luke's asked us to, you know, always try to get content. We can and also just for myself, like just, to, just to have like, just, especially cause it was such a fun morning. It was a, you know, it was a long time of, of a lot of shit going on. And I just wanted to kind of have it to reference for, for, um, the future and uh so she goes back and forth and then she like moves down the fence line trying to find a gap and it brings those toms in they come in hard so then the first tom is just out of shotgun range um and i think he was the bigger one um but the one i shot was still uh there's some pictures on my instagram you can look he's still like a big ass bird his beard was about the same length as the first one i killed but his body was significantly bigger and his fan was significantly bigger. That was interesting to me because usually, like, we want to judge them off their beards, but
2: the beards were, like, the same length. But this bird, when you look at the fan, it is significantly bigger and more developed, uh, which I'm still pretty novice
0: in, like, judging birds. but Well, that goes back to the Meteor podcast with that biologist. He said you can't gauge a bird's size based off the beard and spurs. He was, like, the the truest way to gauge a bird's um, age is off the tail fan which is something, you know, I never knew. I always thought the beard was, like, an yeah. indicator of a mature bird. But he was like, you can have a two-year-old bird with a longer beard than a four-year-old bird. And I was like, wow, didn't didn't know that. But, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, So then the second Tom comes in, and you'll see on the video when Luke drops it, but he, like – Stops and he's just staring at these decoys or at me. I don't know, but he's looking. And I like do a couple little shitty clucks. You'll hear in the video with my with my diaphragm call to try to like get him in. And then he was at shotgun range, I think, but I didn't range it where he was standing because obviously he was standing there. And I he was in the field. Um, and I ranged the fence and I knew the fence was like just under thirty, and he was like ten meters past is what I was guessing past um the fence and then he moves and closes distance a little bit and then stops and as soon as he stops man shot him and his stoned him and then I got super pumped and forgot my video camera was zoomed in and so it's a goofy video y'all be feel free to give me shit for but it was still man it was an absolute blast like i don't care you can send me give me shit he he flips the
2: camera around and it's like trying to do a selfie video and it's like zoomed in on his chin it's pretty (laughs) awesome it's funny though it's it's good you can see like legitimately how stoked and pumped he is it was an awesome they don't teach you how to
1: video in your line of work evan (laughs) no they
0: definitely don't man they definitely don't
2: well that's the perfect so uh we just partnered fairly recently with Tacticam. And so, uh, shout out to Jake Hacker, Survive the Hunt podcast. Carter introduced me to him uh, during our Wyoming hunt. We were up there at camp with him. And uh, he brought us on with uh, Tacticam as, you know, kind of partners. And so, we're going to – I've already got – a. I was a team – I was a – not a team rep, whatever the fuck they call it. Uh, amb- Maybe it is a team program with them. I don't, I don't remember. I was whatever their ambassador there uh, with Tacticam for a while. And so, I have a lot of their cameras – and honestly, I think they're actually better for turkey hunting than deer hunting because of uh, just the, the range and the proximity. And so, hopefully, we start getting you guys a bunch of those. And then having the cameras, the, the cool thing about Tacticam, and this, is, this isn't this is a paid shout-out at all. They don't sponsor us. They just give us a discount on their shit, total transparency. But I, I just like the system for hunting because it like you can run multiple cameras off the same remote. You can have that remote around your neck, and all you literally do is hit one button, and all the cameras will turn on. And so, I've seen guys, I've never done it with turkeys, but guys will put, like, one camera in a decoy, and so they can get some, like, crazy footage of, like, the fucking Tom coming in, like, flogging the decoy, and then they'll have one, like, on themselves, like, one of the wide lenses, and they have, like, a zoom lens they'll have on the end of the shotgun that can pull it. So, you can get some really, if you want to film your hunts, it's a very cool setup, and then they just, like, branch into fishing, too, so they got some waterproof cameras, so it's a... I don't know. Just shout out to those guys. I appreciate the fact that they're like hooking the team up with some discounts and, and it's pretty sweet. So shout out to Jake. Thanks buddy. And hopefully we can get the rest of you guys on some tacticam shit. So it's better than
0: Evan filming off his cell phone. Yeah. It's definitely something I'm going to, cause that was fun filming too. Like it was, it was, it was the first time I ever got anything, any hunt and I spent like hours in the woods, killing shit, chasing shit. There's just some cool stuff that I would love to have been documented with a video. Cause pictures are awesome afterwards but it's really hard to capture that moment in the moment unless you have a video. And so it's definitely something I'm, I'm going to be purchasing in the near future.
2: What's super cool about the videos is being able to look back on it, especially like bow hunting. You can look at it immediately afterwards and see where the arrow hits. And like, that is <laughs> very helpful. Right. Or like even rifle hunting, being able to watch it back. Like when Caroline killed, I wasn't using a tactic game. I was just using my uh, Sony uh, Alpha 65 and, when I was filming her hunt, which I never really, I need to post, I'm so bad at posting video. I have some, I have hours of video content that I've never done anything with. Cause I hate editing, but uh, she shoots the deer and she thought it got up and ran, but I was pretty sure she stoned it. And sure enough, like she saw the other three does run. And then we watched it back. Like she was like all freaked out because she thought she wanted it. And she got to watch the video back and realized like the thing went ass over tea kettle. She fucking smoked it. Um, so it's just cool. Like filming, it's just kind of, and it's got benefits other than posting it later.
1: Yeah, it's another added aspect of, you know, adds to the depth of the, the full experience, especially with turkeys. Like you were saying, Evan, you mentioned earlier with that first turkey you killed, you remembered the color of its head. Uh, you know, their heads change color based on their mood. And you said it was white. And you remember that. Like sometimes I get caught up in the moment and you miss, you lose those details, you know? So. You know, Absolutely. I guess something it, like Tacticam would allow you to follow through on that and, you know, be like, Oh yeah, that's right. It was his head was blue at this moment or whatever, which is a really cool detail to a story like that.
0: Yeah, man. It it would have been it would have been great. Like it was still cool to get it on on video with the cell phone, but like I, you know, like Luke said, I forgot I was zoomed in and so the, the end of the video, like the point gets across, but <laughs> Well and, and Tacticam's not perfect, right? You gotta remember like the camera's
1: at
2: the end of your muzzle, right? So if you're gonna watch the approach or if it's on your bow you have to like consciously like still point the camera the right direction. because if not like every time, not every time, but a lot of times when I've used it I've gotten
0: like, Oh, that's a great shot of the trees. like <laughs> you know? Do they make like a, a, a hat bill clip? You could put one on your hat bill. Cause yeah, then it would be like do. where you're looking. That'd be yeah, cool. They do. They, they've
2: got a bunch of different attachments, just like GoPros and I've got a GoPro. Like, I think just the different camera options are really good. Like obviously like quality of film, like, you know, a mirrorless Sony is going to be significantly better than everything else. But you know, the tactic game is still pretty good for what it is, and it's just nice because once you have the running gun set up, like, you don't have to worry about putting a camera arm up. It's, like, up there, and then you just hit on, and they're all on, versus when I've ran, like, I've busted deer before trying to turn the cameras on, and I'm I still, I'm by no means a, a good cameraman in the woods. I'm, I'm getting a little better, and sometimes I just say, fuck it, I'm not bringing cameras. Like, I just don't care. I don't want to fuck with it. I just want to focus on hunting, um, which I think there's something to be
1: said for that as well. Same with yeah, social media. One less hunting. thing to worry about.
2: Yeah. Like, sometimes I decide I'm going to, like, do the video blog of my hunts, like my antelope hunt, and then sometimes I'm like, I'm not doing any of this. Like, I barely – I didn't document, you know, very much in Wyoming because I just wanted to kind of be there with the boys. It's still – all of it's fun. I think having the different options is is cool, personally.
0: But, yeah, so that – I mean, uh, that was the last uh, turkey for me of the season. I had – I messed up two scenarios after that. Um and so I had a, had a pretty good season overall. Like, learned a ton. Like, if there's one thing that I'm super pumped about this season is how much I learned and how much experience I got from just being able to get out there and do it and learn it. And, like, there's a part of me that's, like, I almost wish I wasn't as successful as I was this year because I feel like it's going to put an unrealistic taste in my mouth and I feel like I'm going to get my ass kicked next year and like be kind of like, damn. Like, But at the same time – I learned a hell of a lot and it was a great season. I know Luke and Perry are kind of, kind of poopy because neither one of them got a bird this year, but I'm, I'm hoping I'm really freaking hoping that like, you know, they learned from my experiences too. Cause we talked a lot about it. Perry was, <clears throat> Perry was with me for, you know, every weekend that I've been turkey hunting. he was up there. Um, so like, I, I don't know. It was, it was just a great, a great season overall for, for a lot of reasons. But the big one, the big overarching one for me was just the, how much knowledge I learned about turkey hunting in my second season.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm going to live vicariously through you because my season was absolute garbage. And maybe I am I am being punished this season because I had a really good season the the year before. Um, but that's the thing about turkeys, man. They always keep you coming back, keep you on your toes. Um, I didn't give the listeners anything to take away from this other than I'm a very mediocre uh, turkey hunter. But I will say, if you want to get better at turkey calling, right, which is like, like I said earlier, it's as nuanced as you want to make it. It's like a foreign language. Um, calling all turkeys on YouTube is kind of where I was steered to learn how to call turkeys, and if if you want to get better at it or sharpen up your your turkey knowledge, calling all turkeys that's 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 the way to go. Or follow my buddy Avery on on uh, <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> Oh shit
2: man, like speaking of Instagram, we're we're getting up hour fifteen, hour twenty here. So uh why don't you go ahead and shout out your Instagram man, let everybody know where to follow you.
1: Yeah, if you want to follow me, um, follow me on Instagram. I'm the homestead all lowercase underscore G A. The homestead underscore G A. Um, yeah, give me a follow. I'm uh now that turkey season's over, I'm gonna be fishing a good bit and prepping for Deer season. I mean, we're planting food food plots here, which maybe we could talk about in another podcast, um, at the house here and then I'm in full gardening mode right now.
2: Yeah, I've been really envious of uh of your gardening dude. We actually drove out to East Colorado today, about an hour from the house, uh a lady a lady, I mean she's my age, but that Caroline works with. They have a little horse farm out there and then we asked to if we get some horse manure and they were like I was like, I'll pay for it. They're like, Oh no, just please come get it. I was like, Oh, filled up my truck. So I've got my truck sitting in the parking lot of the parking lot. Jesus, the driveway of my, uh, my house here in this neighborhood, just loaded down with horse shit. So as I fill in all my raised beds, I'm pretty stoked about it. I was talking to Evan. Yeah.
1: I'm
2: irrationally happy about the amount of horse manure I have in the bed of my truck right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Your neighbors love it
2: too. I bet. (laughs) No, I'm sure. But shit, man, really appreciate you coming on as always. It's, it's great. We're going to, now that I'm back from all my training and everything, we're going to be like hammering these out. We're honestly probably going to drop, you know, at least, a, you know, one week or maybe two weeks a month. We'll probably drop two episodes because just planning on doing a lot more and pushing them out. Um, so we're going to have you back on soon. Cause we had talked prior to this. We're going to try to talk about some of the off season white sale prep you were doing, but as usual, we're, we're all pretty long winded. So just the Turkey talk consume the episode, but go ahead and leave us with whatever uh, closing comments you got
1: their uh quarter i just really appreciate it man Um, i'm glad one of us at least had a good turkey season evan that makes me really happy um keep holding that over perry's head that kind of makes me happy so i haven't met the guy but it's good to give him a hard time fuck perry
0: yeah me and luke started the hashtag by the way feel free to uh when y'all add hle stories to just add the hashtag fuck perry in there and- <laughs>
2: <laughs> hashtag or actually at tag us and then hashtag fuck perry
0: yeah. please do that especially because at- he doesn't have instagram and can't yeah. defend himself. at
1: instagram list perry yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i appreciate it boys yeah absolutely brother.
0: what do you got evan no, it's just it's good to. I think this is the first time Carter we've ever like met, you know, virtually here. But it's it's good to, you know, we've we've chatted back and forth in the team chat, and uh, I know you were you were talking about hopefully going to come out and join us in the Turkey Woods this year. That didn't pan out, but you know, really really hope we can make that happen in the future. But it's it's good to sit here and and you know bullshit about turkey season with you. So yeah, man, I am super thankful for for the season I had, but I also understand that like it's not. It's not I don't take it for granted and I'm definitely gonna bust Perry and Luke's balls, but like man, I I know Fuck you, I didn't even get to hunt. I was in the desert, fucking California, bullshit state. I know I've got a I know I've got a dry season coming up in my future. It's just the way it goes. But shit, man.
2: talking about Carter, you know, saying he's gonna come out to the farm to hunt turkeys. That's the only thing I know about Carter is he's not gonna make it up to the farm. He's
1: (laughs) something always comes up. Dude, I will be there. I promise you I'll be there. I, it really makes me mad because I like to pride myself as being a man of integrity, but <laughs> life has gotten away from me this, this spring having a 11-month-old, which has really <laughs> thrown me for a loop, but I will be there. I get that. Luke's about to get it
2: as I sit here as a man with no kids. Fuck you, Carter. You <laughs> can get your ass up there.
1: Yeah, also, you know, after your gender reveal, you have full permission to name your kid after me. I wanted to, you know, I almost texted Caroline that, but... uh. Everyone keeps saying
2: it. Yeah, you you're like the tenth buddy of mine. Brian, probably realistically fifth that has said that I need to name it after them. I don't know what that says about my buddies.
1: Well, as a as a fellow historian, I'll text you a list of names that I had prepped if, if just in case I had a boy. So
0: Oh Evan, shit. We haven't even had you the last two episodes. Shout out your Instagram. Throw that out there. Oh yeah. Uh and if you want to see these turkeys we're talking about, go ahead and uh hit me up on Instagram, follow me. It's just all overcase Evan um and then yeah shoot me a message with the hashtag fuck Perry and yeah thank you
2: uh, i do want to let both of you know that uh instagram handles aren't case
0: sensitive so you don't have to say all lowercase. case <laughs> hey man we're, we're not the we're not the one with the over 10,000 followers dude that's you so you yeah relax man i and get it. happy for every like i get i st- i still don't know how to use it luke's always busting my balls for like dude because i reach out to him like hey man like can i do this he's like yes just yes <laughs> Sorry, sorry.
2: <laughs> He's like, Hey man, can I post this? I'm like, It's your fucking profile, dude. I don't care what you post. Like, sure. But anyways, uh Jesus, this is this has been a fun one, boys. I really I really do appreciate this. But um if you guys wanna follow me on my personal page, it's uh at Luke D Cox. And then it's it's weird, Evan made his handle very similar to mine. Simple. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're very simple men. Six generation mountain trash. Yeah, it's almost
0: like we're related.
2: Yeah. Uh, And then uh, follow the the brand page at Official. We've got a lot of stuff in the works, and that's where we drop 90% of the stuff. I really try not to spam everybody on emails. I'll probably push out a little more email marketing here shortly, but very, very little. So definitely follow us on Instagram. That's where we push out the vast majority of the announcements for the brand. Um, I honestly don't know exactly when it's going to drop, but probably within a couple weeks of this episode coming out, you guys are going to see at least preview pictures of the gym line. We've got a full women's line coming out. We've got a few, uh, added men's apparel options. We've got some shorts. we got uh, some tank tops. I know a lot of dudes have been asking for tanks. We've got a, a dry fit t-shirt and then we've got a, another t-shirt coming out for the dudes. And then we have a big, obviously we don't have any women's clothes right now. So we have a, a very sharp increase in, in women's clothes, which we've had a lot of demand for. So definitely check all that stuff out. Uh, we've got several hats out that, that are new and they're selling out pretty quickly. So definitely hit all that stuff up. Uh, Go to Hunt Lift Eat official at an, on Instagram, and then check out the website at huntlifteat.com. As always, I really appreciate it. Thanks, y'all.